Uh, good morning. I heard about a guy that uh, was looking for a job, and while he was looking, heard the local zoo was hiring. And so he went to interview for the position, and in the interview, he learned that what they were looking to hire was someone who would wear a gorilla costume and pretend to be a gorilla because their uh, real gorilla had recently, uh, unfortunately, passed away. And so they had this period of time before they could get a new one shipped in. And so they needed somebody to play the part of a gorilla. And they interviewed him a little bit. He found out that all you have to do is they wanted him just to sit there and eat and sleep. And he thought, well, I can handle that. I'm pretty good at that, in fact. So he was hired. And they put the gorilla costume on him and took him off to the, the gorilla cage. And for quite a while, he was very content just to sit there, eat a little bit, sleep some. But after a while, he got a little bored with that. And so... Uh, he decided, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll just jump around a little bit. And so he jumped around and he noticed that as he jumped around, the crowd would give him some attention, a little bit of applause, they'd throw some peanuts. And so he, he jumped around a little bit more, a little more animated, and they, they responded even more. He thought, this is great. He thought, I wonder what would happen if I climbed the tree. And so he, he climbs the tree as fast as he can and the crowd starts to grow a little more. And now they're cheering a little more loudly and throwing more peanuts. And he's really getting caught up in this. He sees a vine. And he, he thinks, I'll start swinging on the vine. And so he begins to swing on the vine. And the crowd grows and the cheers grow. And so he swings higher and higher. And they cheer louder and louder. And suddenly he, though, hears the snap of the vine. And the momentum, though, of his swinging carries him out of the gorilla cage and next door into the lion's cage. And he begins immediately when he lands to scream as loud as he can, I'm not a real gorilla. I'm a man in a gorilla suit. Help me, help me. The lion pounces on him puts his paws right in the middle of his chest and puts his head down really close and the guy can feel his breath. And the lion says, be quiet, shut up, you're going to get us both fired. <laughs> well, uh, we're in this series called Masquerade and we've been uh, talking about some of the masks that we wear. You know what? A lot of people wear masks. Sometimes they're hiding from God. Sometimes they're hiding from other people. And uh, really, it's times it seems like life is like living in a giant masquerade party. I'm guessing this morning that all of us know someone who has been telling the same lie for so long that they have begun to believe their lie is really true. It's a form of self-deception. When we believe something about ourselves that simply isn't true. Let me ask you a question, a little experiment here this morning. How many of you would admit this morning that you have kind of a major problem with self-deception, that there really are some things in your life that you are very self-deceived about? Yeah, maybe hardly anybody, a couple maybe. Think about other people. Think about someone who thinks they're really good at something, but they're really not. Or think about somebody that has a real problem with something, but they won't admit they have a problem. I wonder how many of you know someone else that is self-deceived? Come on, how many of you? Lots of you? Yeah. I think we have a statistical problem here. Because hardly any of us would admit that we ourselves are self-deceived. And yet, if we're honest, all of us would say, well, I know somebody else that's self-deceived. How can that be? Could it be that in reality we have a bit of self-deception going on in our own lives? Here, here's the key truth. Those who don't know, don't know they don't know. It's true if you think about it, right? Those who don't know, don't know that they don't know. You don't think that's true? Watch this. 
that is not serious. <laughs> sure, isn't it? They don't know. They don't know that they can't sing. You know what? Self-deception has a way of fooling all of us. We sometimes have lived a lie. We've worn the mask for so long that we no longer realize what is true. We have viewed life for so long through a distorted set of lenses that we actually believe a distorted truth about ourselves. I think that's what the Bible teaches. And I want to look at a couple of different verses this morning and we're going to start in Psalm chapter 36. And so if you've got your uh, Bible or your uh, reading from your phone or your iPad, find your way to Psalm 36 because I want you to mark this and I want you to come back and look at this and a couple of other verses that we're going to look at together today because I want you to think about this during the week. So Psalm 36, if you're looking for the book of Psalms, uh, it's pretty much right in the middle of your Bible. If you just open it right up, you're going to find the book of Psalms and then uh, turn the pages to chapter 36 or the 36th psalm, and I want to read verses 2 and 3 here. David is writing this, and here's what he says. For in his own eyes he flatters himself too much to detect or hate his sin. Did you catch that? He flatters himself too much. Do you know anybody else like that? You know somebody that says, Oh, I'm really good at this. And the reality is, they're not so good at it. But they are totally convinced, I'm good at this, I can do it. Trust me, I've got this under control. Or maybe somebody's got a problem with something and they're confronted with their problem. But here's their response. They flatter themselves by saying, I don't have a problem with that. I've got it all under control. I can stop anytime I want to. That, that doesn't control me. It's no big deal. They flatter themselves. And he says, the psalmist says, we flatter ourselves so much that we get to the point that we cannot detect or hate our own sin. He, he says, a sin, if we can't hate or even change something in our lives, how can we change a sin or change something about ourselves if we can't even detect that it's a problem? And David says as he writes this psalm that there comes this point where we have worn the mask for so long that we have flattered ourselves so much that we're no longer able to detect the fact, the reality that we have a significant problem in our lives. That there might be a significant sin problem in our lives. That there is something that is significantly wrong with the way that we are living. In fact, then he goes on to say this in verse 2. Verse 3, he says, The words of his mouth are wicked and deceitful. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. He says we get to the point where we flatter ourselves so long that we no longer detect that there is something wrong. And in fact, we get to the point where we are no longer do we choose to do what is wise and what is good. And it's true, isn't it? Sometimes we become so self-deceived about things in our lives that we don't realize how devastating they are to our own lives and to the lives of people around us. We are blinded to the devastating effects of whatever it is that we have deceived ourselves into thinking that it's okay. Peg and I are going to uh, travel here in a few weeks on some vacation like a lot of you will probably be doing this summer. 
And uh, I know that our uh, trip this year, we're going to travel right through Atlanta. In fact, don't you have to go through Atlanta to get anywhere from Florida? I mean, it just seems like you do, right? And uh, so we're going to drive through Atlanta. And I know that when we drive through Atlanta, that, for me, is one of those really challenging cities to drive through. You know, if you hit it at the wrong time, the traffic is incredible. And as 75 works its way, its way through Atlanta, you know, you've got to change lanes several times to really stay on 75, and it's always a challenge. I'm always alert as we get to Atlanta, and a lot of times if Peg's sleeping, I'll wake her up and say, you know, wake up, because I want her eyes to, you know, help us navigate through the city. Now, imagine in a few weeks here, when Peg and I drive through Atlanta, when we get to the outskirts, if I were to say to her, you know what, I think today I'll drive blindfolded to Atlanta. That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? I mean, you can't drive anywhere blindfolded safely, but can you imagine trying to navigate through Atlanta with a blindfold on? It would be devastating to us, to other people, to our car. You know, it, it's crazy. And yet a lot of us are trying to drive our way through life, navigating our, along our journey through life, and we are blinded to the devastating effects of our own self-deception. There is some stuff going on in our lives and it is destroying us and it is destroying the lives of people around us and we're blinded to it. And yet we just keep charging right ahead. So how do we, how do we undo this? How do we take this mask off? How do we get rid of this self-deception? Let me suggest the several steps this morning. First, we need to pray. We need to pray. And we need to to ask God. Now, when I say ask God, I mean really ask God with a heart that longs to hear His answer, with a true desire, God, please speak truth to me. We need to ask God, God, is there something in my life, something that I am deceiving myself about? God, show me the truth about myself. King David, who we read from a few moments ago in Psalm 36, in Psalm 139, prays a very dangerous and piercing kind of prayer. So if you, again, in your Bibles, why don't you move over to Psalm 139, several pages later. And I want to read a couple of verses. And these are words that David prays to God. It's a dangerous prayer. But maybe it's a prayer we ought to consider praying ourselves. Psalm 139, verse 23. David prays, search me, O God, and know my heart. Now now notice, David doesn't say, God, would you just take a kind of a quick glance at my life? God, would you just stand back and kind of just look at the outside of me? No, David prays, God, would you search me? God, would you look deep into my life, into my, my very heart, and see what's going on? Search me, O God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to pray this prayer. In fact, I want to challenge you when you go to your life group this week, that as a life group, maybe you take a moment and you talk about this and you hold each other accountable to praying this prayer. And also maybe as a family, as you go out to lunch today or sometime later in the day, early in this week, Talk about it as a family and decide we're going to hold each other accountable to praying this prayer. And my challenge to you would be that for the next seven days, every day during your daily prayer time, that you would just simply pray the actual words of this Scripture. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. 
and that this would be your prayer to God and you would say to God, God, search me. God, not just an outward glance that everybody else sees about my life, but God, would you look deep into my heart and my life and would you show me if there is anything in my life that is displeasing to you? God, if there is any lie that I have been living, if there is something that I have been self-deceived about, God, would you reveal it to me? Show me, God, the truth about myself. Pray that this week. Secondly, then, listen. Pray the prayer and then listen. And I think there are two voices you ought to listen to. First and most importantly, you ought to listen for the voice of God. Because I am convinced that God, maybe even yet this morning while we're together, or sometime this week, might through His Holy Spirit speak into your life about something that you are deceived about. Something that is displeasing in your life to Him. But there's a second voice I want you to also be willing to listen to. The second voice is that God may speak through some other person into your life. Now, I I know lots of times people try to speak into our lives and they're just simply being rude, aren't they? I mean, they're trying to poke their nose into our business where it doesn't really belong. But I also know there are people in your life that love you deeply and they care about you and God may use them even this week to speak into your life. In fact, listen to what Proverbs chapter 15, verse 31 says. It says, He who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise. I love that phrase there, a life-giving rebuke. Now again, we don't usually think of it that way, do we? It's uncomfortable when somebody speaks truth into our life and we, we don't like it. In fact, we often choose not to listen. But the writer of Proverbs says that someone who loves you, someone that cares about you, someone that's listening to God, can speak into your life a life-giving rebuke. I don't know about you, but I might not enjoy the process, but I sure would enjoy the outcome of someone speaking into my life a life-giving rebuke. And the writer of Proverbs says that when we're we listen to that kind of rebuke when we listen to a life-giving rebuke that we are at home among the wise. That we're a wise person when we listen to that kind of rebuke. Listen to what he says then in the next verse, verse 32. He who ignores discipline despises himself. But whoever heeds correction gains understanding. And you have to decide which you're going to be. A person that despises themselves because they won't listen to the wisdom of someone else or someone who welcomes that and gains some understanding that suddenly the light comes on in your life and you see this thing that you've been lying to yourself about. We need to pray and we need to listen. And as a side note, some of you in this room today, God is going to ask you... and. The first thing is to make sure it's God that's asking you and not your own desire to seek some kind of revenge in somebody's life. But God is going to ask some of you to speak some life-giving rebuke into someone else's life this week. And I hope that when He does, you'll love that person enough, you'll be courageous enough to let God use you to speak a life-giving rebuke into somebody's life. So pray and listen and then let God show you. Let God show you. 
You see, I'm convinced that when we, when we listen, that this God who loves us more than anyone else loves us is going to help us see beyond the mask to the truth. But when He does, when He speaks to us, when He takes the mask off for us, when He reveals some truth to us, we've got to be willing to change. We've got to be willing to change, to do something about it. In fact, I want you to listen to what it says in James chapter 1, verse 22. Now, often when we read this verse, we read it simply in the context of, oh, I'm supposed to read the Bible and listen to what the Bible says. And that's absolutely true. But I think this has application to what I'm saying this morning. Listen to what James wrote. He says, but don't just listen to God's Word. Or don't just listen to what God says through somebody else. You must do what it says. Or you must do what He says through someone else. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. When God speaks to you directly or through someone else, you're faced with a choice. Am I going to do something about what He says? You see, I think it's true for nearly all of us in this room this morning that deep in the core of our hearts, deep in the core of our lives, we know the truth. And I think it's also true of us that for many of us, who are living some kind of self-deceptive life, at the heart and the core of our lives, we know that we are living in rebellion to God. But we've been doing it for so long, we have believed the lie for so long, and we're wearing this mask that says, well, it's it's not a big deal. It, It doesn't really matter. I mean, it's okay. But the reality is, it's not. It's not. Maybe there are some here today that are, that are living together. You're, you're living together outside of the marriage relationship. And there is something at the core of you that knows that goes against the truth of God's Word. But, but you've been wearing this mask for a while and you have kind of deceived yourself by saying, well, it's not a big deal. You know, everybody in our culture does it and we love each other. We're committed to each other. It's okay. You know, we're not hurting anybody. What does it matter? But the truth is it's not okay because it goes against the truth of God's Word and it will lead you down a path of devastation at some point. Maybe some in this room today, you're you're just absolutely addicted to your phone and to all the technology of the day that Brad talked about a couple of weeks ago. I mean, you're just glued to Facebook. I mean, you're spending all your time playing words with friends. And uh, I mean, you're so, so attached to it that you can't even see beyond that to the fact that you are hurting the relationships you have with other people because you're so attached to that. But you've deceived yourself into thinking, well, it's no big deal. It's part of my work. I've got to be connected. It's important. Who's it, what does it really matter? But the reality is it's hurting some people who are around you because of the time it takes away from your relationship with them. Maybe this morning you're wearing a mask And out in the business world, you are a liar and a cheat. Oh, you come here on Sunday and you mix in with the crowd and everything seems great, but Monday through Friday in your world of business, you are lying and cheating. And you've deceived yourself into thinking, well, that doesn't matter because, you know, everybody's doing it and in this tough economy, that's just what it takes in my business. It's what it takes in in what I do. You've got to stay ahead of the crowd. If I'm going to stay ahead of the other salesmen, I've got to do this, you know, I've got to kind of bend the truth sometimes. Or you'd say, well, it's not that big a deal. You know, I'm just stretching the truth a little bit, some white lies here and there. But you know what? It goes against the truth of God's Word, and it's leading down a path that ultimately 
there will be some kind of devastation. Maybe for you today, you're cutting yourself. And it's, you've deceived yourself into thinking that it's okay. Because in those moments when you cut yourself, that pain kind of takes away all the other relational pain and all the other stuff that's going on that you're just trying to run away from. And what does it hurt? It doesn't hurt anybody else. No big deal. But it's a path that leads to destruction and devastation in your life. Maybe when you stand in front of the mirror, you see somebody that's really fat, even though you weigh barely over 100 pounds but you are caught up in this cycle of eating and purging and eating and purging because you have believed the lie that you have to have a certain look. And you have no confidence around your friends. You don't think they really think you're beautiful. So you just keep deceiving yourself that it's okay. It doesn't hurt anybody else but me. But it's a path that leads to devastation and destruction. Maybe today you're wearing the mask of a, of a happy marriage. And you come here and you participate with us and you're part of the crowd here. And you act like everything's great here. Oh, we're happily married. Everything's wonderful. But the reality is your marriage is hanging together by just a thread. And when you're not around here, your marriage and your relationship with your spouse is terrible. But you've deceived yourself into thinking, well, isn't it like that for nearly everybody? I mean, really, does anybody have a great marriage? And so you wear this mask and you won't let anybody know that you're struggling. You won't let anybody help you. And I'm telling you, it leads on a path that ultimately is destructive. Maybe you're wearing the mask of acting like you're, you're in a relationship with God. And so again, you come here on Sundays and you mix in with everybody and you act like everything's great in your life, but when you leave this place, you couldn't be living farther away from God than you are. And you have no real relationship with Him. And here you act like, oh, God's really important, but you've deceived yourself into thinking it doesn't really matter because isn't everybody else pretending? I mean, nobody really has a great relationship with God, right? Well, that's not true. There are many of us in this place that our relationship with God is very real and very significant. Maybe there are some here today that are wearing a mask. You're you're cheating on your spouse. And it started innocently. And you thought, oh, I, you know, that's, that's the path I would never take. But things got rocky at home. And this person started meeting some needs that your spouse wasn't meeting. And now you're wrapped up in this relationship. And you've deceived yourself into thinking that it's okay because it feels good. And, and we care about each other. And, and they meet some needs for me. I'm telling you, I, I can guarantee you, it's a path that leads to destruction. When will we wake up? and drop these masks. And I could go through a number of other scenarios of things that we, self, that we deceive ourselves about. You know, King David in the Old Testament got caught up in some self-deception. You probably know his story that one day he was out on the, the balcony of his house and he looked across and there was a beautiful woman bathing on her rooftop. And his looks lingered and it turned to lust. And it wasn't long before he invited her into his home and they slept together committed adultery because she was married to another man. He called her husband back home and he tried to get the husband to, to sleep with his wife to cover up her pregnancy. And Because he was a true soldier, he wouldn't sleep with his wife while he's home from battle. And so David sends him back to the front lines so that he'll be killed. And one action leads to another. And David got caught up in this cycle, I believe, of deceiving himself into thinking, I can cover this up. Nobody will know. It's no big deal. It's not going to hurt anybody. Unfortunately, David had a friend 
named Nathan. And God used Nathan to speak into David's life a life-giving rebuke that brought David's self-deception right out into the light for everybody to see. And it changed the direction of David's life. And David would later pray this prayer to God. And I hope this morning that you get to the place where you'd pray this prayer too. Here's what David prays in Psalm 51. He prays to God, Have mercy on me, O God, because of Your unfailing love. And I want you to know this morning that God has that same kind of unfailing love for every person in this room. It does not matter what path your life has been on up to this point. It doesn't matter how much baggage you dragged into this place today. God loves you and there is nothing that you have ever done that has caused Him to stop loving you. And then David prays, because of your great compassion... Blot out the stain of my sins. And I want to tell you, again, God has that same kind of compassion for you this morning. And no matter how badly you've messed up, God's compassion towards you wants to blot out the stain of your past. And then David prayed, Wash me clean from my guilt. You know what? I know some of you came into this place today and you are carrying this huge load of guilt. God has the capacity to take that away this morning. Purify me from my sin. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. And God's still in the business of cleaning up dirty lives. Washing them and making them whiter than snow. Restore to me, David says, the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. And some of you, that needs to be the prayer of your heart today. Some of you in this room this morning, you named Jesus as your Savior. You trusted Him as your Savior and the leader of your life a long time ago. But somewhere along your journey with Him, you you bought into some self-deception. You started believing some lies and there is some stuff in your life that is displeasing to Him. And my prayer for you today would be to drop the mask of self-deception. See the truth about yourself. Let God once again clean you up. There are others in this room who have never made the choice to invite Jesus to be their Savior and the leader of their life. For whatever reason, you've kept Him at arm's length. You've doubted the reality of Him or whatever. And maybe today, maybe today is the day that you finally let the guard down and you invite Jesus into your life and you allow Him to save you from all of your sins to become the leader of your life and to give you the promise and the hope of spending eternity in heaven with God. It's very simple. You know, sometimes we've made it seem like kind of complicated, but it's not. It's just a matter of acknowledging that you need a Savior, that you have sin in your life. It's about admitting and acknowledging that God can be that Savior, that God is the God of the universe and Jesus Christ is His Son. And then it's simply inviting Him into your life and accepting His gift of grace and forgiveness. And some of you today, you need to make that choice. And when we wrap up here in a little while, I'll be right down here in the front. And if today's the day that you're willing to step across that line, why don't you come and talk to me? Let's pray together as you invite Jesus into your life. Jesus asked those who make that decision. In fact, He commanded those who make that decision to follow that decision up with being baptized, immersed into water. It's a way of publicly acknowledging your desire to follow Jesus 
publicly acknowledging His grace and mercy in your life. And today we've made it possible, as soon as we wrap up our time together, right out in front of the school, we've set up a baptismal pool. And if, if this is your time, this is the day that you need to be obedient to what Jesus asked us to do and to be baptized, then we'd invite you to do that. You know, every person that we read about in the New Testament after Jesus dies on the cross who accepts Him as the Savior, they almost immediately follow that up by being baptized, by being immersed in water. And maybe you came today thinking, well, I'm not prepared for that. I don't have the right clothes. We're, we're prepared for you. Right down here in the front, we have some towels and some shorts and T-shirts. And so, even if you didn't come prepared today, when we wrap up, come down and get some clothes, go change, and then we'll all gather out in the front a little bit after that to celebrate baptism together. God has the ability to work in our lives to help us to see and to live out the truth. Let's pray together. God, I thank You for Your incredible grace and mercy. And Father, this, this is a very significant moment because this stuff we're, we're talking about today, this stuff matters for eternity. It matters in our relationship with You and, and it matters in whether or not we spend he- eternity in heaven or in hell. So God, would You help us to take this very seriously? And I pray for some people in this room today, some, some who've already named You as Savior, but they, they're self-deceived, God. There's some stuff in their life and they're believing the lies. They've got this distorted view. God, would You help them to see clearly today? And Father, to, to see what it is that, that needs to be gone from their lives. Help them, God, to drop the mask today. Father, there are others in this room that need for the very first time to name Your Son as their Savior and the leader of their life. And I pray, God, would You work in their hearts and in their lives today. Give them the courage to overcome whatever has been keeping them away from You, but God, to step out today and say, today's the day. I'm inviting Jesus to be my Savior. And God, there are others yet in this room that need this day to be obedient to what You've commanded about baptism. And they they need to courageously, publicly declare their faith in You by being immersed into water and declaring that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And I pray, God, for those in this room that need to do that, they would step out courageously. And today would be that moment. God, would You work in all of us? You are our Savior. You are our Lord. God, would You help every one of us to drop whatever mass stand in the way of our relationship with You? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.